Welcome to this episode of Be Like a Tree. Today we have with us Yannick Dubois, whose name actually means from the forest. How amazing is that? So Yannick, could you introduce yourself further for our listeners? Hi Kelly. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm from Belgium. I'm German-speaking Belgian and I come from the border region between Belgium and Germany, where I grew up. Um, close to a nature reserve and um, I now live in the UK where I've been practicing Celtic shamanism and modern druidry for the last seven years. So I've um, trained with different groups and also a Native American bushcraft lineage. So um, yeah, I'm combining the kind of practical and spiritual side of nature connection with a special focus on trees and I look forward to talking to you more about it. Oh wow that sounds amazing and there were lots of fancy words of that so if you had to break it down for listeners a little bit more simply what is it that you really really do what's at the heart of it? Yeah so the way I see my purpose with uh, my offerings that I bring they're both um there's two sides. There's one side is um, visual art. I work as a nature-inspired illustrator, um, self-employed. And uh, then I offer workshops for people to uh, connect with the land, but specifically with trees. So what I believe is that um, the trees are the living ancestors of our tradition in a sense like the, in a way they have they have known our ancestors since the beginning so if if we if we suddenly met with a hundred ancestors from different times and we showed them our phone or our shoes they wouldn't understand it but if we showed them an oak leaf each and every one of them would have seen it in their own lifetime and that's where i draw my inspiration from is to um bring that yeah nature connection aspect of tree wisdom on tree connection uh, to people to connect trees and people and I see myself as a kind of guide um, yeah someone who points in a direction so the guide kind of the bridge between a tree and nature and a human being and that what you said just now it really hit me eh? so I want to circle back because it felt really important kind of that acknowledgement of the tree wisdom and the, the link to our ancestors and our histories and how we can find that common ground in it. Yeah, it's very universal in that sense. Um, like the, the reverence of trees is that pre-religious. It's, it's literally to acknowledge that there are these living beings who have given us food and shelter and building materials and medicines and inspiration and wisdom since the beginning really mm-hmm. even our hands are shaped in relationship to the branches of the trees all the way back to our monkey ancestors on how they've held on to branches of trees that's literally shaped our bodies so even if people don't realize to which extent 
trees have shaped us, um, it's already happening. It's not like an artificial concept that, uh, that we have to kind of believe or not believe. It is literally already happening yeah. from the air we breathe to the, to the paper we print on. Yeah, trees are everywhere. The trees are everywhere. And I just realized, listeners, that you can't see me. And as soon as Yannick talked about the relationship with our hands in the tree, I looked down and I had to check and ask myself, could this be? But I can see it in terms of how we are a shape to, to hold the branches and kind of the shape of our hands. So I encourage you just to take a moment to check out your hand. And what you said, it just is, yeah? So thinking about our... Uh, the way that trees show up in our day-to-day life, really? Yeah, so that's definitely an important aspect of um, of my work is that I encourage people to go out and connect with the trees around their own homes. There could be um, wild landscapes, but there could also be parks, um, public spaces, or um, people's gardens. It's often the trees that are the closest to our house that uh, kind of step forward to connect with us first. I guess I'm thinking about your journey and you said you grew up next to the woodlands. Could you tell us a bit more about how your relationship with nature began? Yeah, I think the earliest memory I have is um, being in a pushchair and looking up into the light coming through the canopy of the of the trees. I think that's one of my earliest memories that I can recall. And I remember just like something in my consciousness waking up as a baby of being intrigued by the movement of the leaves and the wind and the and the light. Um, I was part of a Boy Scout group from the age of six. So I've, I was fortunate enough to spend like a um, half a day a week in the woods with other kids playing games and uh, being introduced to crafts. And um, by the age of 11, my dad once sat at the dinner table. He said, oh, by the way, there's this school that I heard about and they have um, uh, a class that's specialized in forestry. And, uh, and I said to him, okay, I'd like to go to this school. And he said, well, it's a boarding school, so probably it's not going to work for you because you'd have to be there five days a week. And I said, well, I want to go and have a look at this school. And so my parents and I went to see it. And it was in a terrible state. Here. Like um, everything was kind of breaking breaking apart. It was like the boarding school was in a very rough state. And uh, my parents saw it and they said, oh, surely he's not going to want to stay there. But I kind of put it into my mind that if I can go to school where I spend some time every week outside and learn about trees, then I was willing to make that sacrifice of being away from my family for five days a week. And so that's what I did. And I was there for some years. There was another big uh, milestone for me when I look back. Yeah, and a lot of the time uh, in my in my teenage years, I was very aware of some... Um, element of that missing initiations in our culture. I was like, I'm sure something meaningful is supposed to happen that is not happening. And I was 
kind of waiting for something, but knew that on a cultural level there was something missing. Mm-hmm. So I turned towards nature, and I remember being 17 years old and taking my um, bicycle to the edge of the woods in the in the evening in the nighttime. And I just tested myself and I said, okay, I'm going to walk into the dark forest and just stay there for a bit. So I walked in and I stood there for five minutes and I got completely scared and I ran out and I took my bicycle and went back home. And I did the same again, like a couple of weeks later. And then I sat in the woods by a tree for an hour and I was like, okay, this is actually much more peaceful than I imagine it my i was becoming aware of my fears and the conditioning around darkness and nature but i wanted to meet those edges in the in the landscape and in myself and then the next time i went out i actually had a sleeping bag and i slept in the woods by myself um just in the sleeping bag on a little mat and i remember waking up in the morning and seeing the forest over my uh, head when i first opened my eyes and i could hear the birds and uh, that's when I knew, okay, I'm, I'm on to something here. Like, this is changing my life. This is meaningful to me. Uh, I'm learning something that feels like ancient, like something that connects me with many, many generations before me. I guess what I think is curious about your story so far is that from a baby, your earliest memory, but then there's always been this part of you that has been drawn to that higher sense of consciousness or wisdom but then you're quite brave because (laughs) instead of running away you know I remember me as a teenager I couldn't have been couldn't have done that but to be able to embrace the darkness in a way and be felt and to be ready to extend your edges by facing your fears most grown-ups aren't ready to do that yet I don't know why or, yeah, I just knew I had to do it and did it, yeah. And what do you think it is about you that allowed you to be able to do that? Because that is quite unique. I can't really say. Um, yeah, it's like some like, urge or like, inner knowing of just like a, a quest for like, meaning and connection that I knew I would miss out on if like I was following an intuition at that time. I think in hindsight, I can see that I just had this sense of it is more scary for me to live a meaningless life where I don't feel connected and I don't feel part of nature. That it was more scary for me than actually going and facing those um, those fears. Yeah. Can you take us back to that moment? Um, I'm just picturing you at the edge of the woods surrounded by darkness. Do you remember what it felt like inside? Yeah, like a mix of excitement and fear. So there's this fine line between, wow, this is exciting. And, oh my God, this is scary. And then little sounds can can sound so big. Even like the sound of a, a little bird in the dry leaves can sound like a, like a wild boar approaching or something. <laughs> So, yeah, I had to familiarize myself with, with that uh, environment. Um, and that takes time. And that's, yeah, that was the beginning of a long journey. Like later on as a student, I would um, hitchhike across Europe and visit a lot of different places. And literally sometimes for 
three weeks up to two months i would just decide in the afternoon where i would sleep at night and just make myself at home in in any woodland i could find and um got very comfortable with my reading the landscape in that way of knowing where i feel safe where um yeah i can make myself at home that feels really important and i guess in some of the work i do um as a psychologist with people connecting with nature it's exactly about what you just described that how do we find our edges of safety and stillness in nature and so you learn to be able to find your your kind of safe places in it yeah and i think this through out of necessity of actually knowing that it's it's quite vulnerable to be on your own out in nature somewhere and out of necessity i then learned how to then be present with myself and my environment and what i need to pay attention to and so it's like sparked off like a quest of learning. For example, one of the things I found out for myself is that when I visualize an energetic bubble around myself before going to sleep, that I felt more safe. Um, and also I just gave off the signal to any animals to um, run around me. And I did actually have moments where I woke up in the night because a group of wild boars had actually come very close to uh, where I was lying. And I knew I was on the path that they wanted to take. And I was maybe 12 to 15 or something, like some older ones and smaller ones, and I could hear them making sounds. But because I had this sense of, yeah, like claiming that space for myself and creating this energetic bubble, I just trusted that they will understand. And they did. They actually went, they started walking like a semicircle around me. And the semicircle was the size of the energy bubble that I had visualized. And it's those kind of moments that showed me that nature is also responsive to my feelings, my attitude, my consciousness, and the energetic um, aspect and how nature responds to intention, um, to energy down to yeah, like responses of animals and realizing that they they are not aggressive in themselves. They're able to defend themselves, but that's very different. I think, yeah, I, I, I got to a point where I felt the most scary thing in the woods would be to encounter another human being, but I felt very safe with the animals in that sense. Well, human beings are pretty scary. I'm going to go and really think about what you're saying in terms of coming from a place of intention and consciousness and the energy and the signals we put out. So by creating a a space, a, a bubble where you were calm, not in threat mode, it allowed the the boys to then be responsive to you and know that you're not going to hurt them and create this space of this relationship of co-living and what do you think is different about human beings in that way you think uh, just more unpredictable in the sense even though like 99.9 percent of all people are likely to be friendly and avoid conflict i once uh, had a situation where a jeep came into the woods at night with a big um, uh, lamp on top of a pickup truck and i knew that uh, that uh, poachers um, go into the woods at night and they shine at the animals and when they see the eyes reflecting then they know where to shoot 
Um, and so there's always this edge of someone's like illegal activities or yeah, people are just a bit more unpredictable. And um, but nevertheless, I think the same thing stands as well on knowing where to be safe in ourselves. It just taught me a lot in different different aspects. Yeah, I kind of think sometimes that as human beings, sometimes we're we're primed for danger. You know how you had to retrain your body to be safe and to to know how to go into that calm place and be open to nature. I feel like our current situation primes us to threat all the time, primes us mm. to be on edge. And so I wonder if that might be kind of part of it. Like when we meet another human, we're all a little bit more yeah, in that sense and anticipating what the others mm-hmm. could do, kind of that thinking brain. Could you tell us a little bit more about your your artwork? Because uh, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. on Yanis' Instagram, um, Forest Heart Art, Forest Heart Arts. And you have some lovely like sketches and you have your calendar that you're creating with your kickstarts. How did you start to incorporate that into your kind of being? Yeah, so one way for me of understanding nature is through um, pattern and looking looking at pattern. And um, at some point, I just started taking my sketchbook out into nature. Um, and I find out that depending on where I am in the landscape and what I'm looking at, I was not just drawing what I saw. I also had this kind of other feelings of, let's say, the difference between... Um, sitting by a stream where it's very loud and busy and like bubbly and there's a lot of water moving and the difference of being up on the mountaintop where it's very like spacious and windy and kind of open in all directions. So I was starting to pay attention to those kind of nuances in, um, in the energy of different places and how using my creativity, both with drawing as well as photography, um, and that inspired me to be in touch with the with the place that I'm in. Yeah, and eventually I'm I'm self-taught, so um, I learned a lot through life drawing classes and just to coordinate my hands and my eye. And uh, eventually, yeah, I started working on a series of pictures where, through my druidic training, I understood that um, we can open how to open ceremonial spaces, basically. And I discovered that I could offer my creativity to a tree. Let's say one of one of the um, like people make offerings of like uh, food and flowers and so on. But one of the most beautiful, biggest offerings we can make to trees is actually to give them something of our creativity. That could be a song, a poem, our voice. We could sing to the tree. We could. Um, yeah, like give give our voice to the tree so that whatever we feel in that moment can come through us and so the tree gets to express itself in relationship with us as a channel for the tree's energy. And so I found out that in a ceremonial context, I can then call on the essence of a certain tree, let's say the oak tree, and say, I'm offering you my eyes and my hands to create something how you want to be represented in the world. And um, that's something I just discovered by myself in a way, 
uh, from piecing together different bits of teachings that I had absorbed in practice. And so three years ago, I first uh, approached my creativity from that perspective and um, made a, a, a beautiful picture for, that was ceremonially created for the oak tree. And um, yeah, it just blew me away. I was literally just drawing for like 30 to 40 hours. And then when the picture was finished, after four or five days of work, I looked at it and I was like, wow, that's just come out of me. Like I, I almost couldn't believe how much potential there is for creativity to be used as a tool for connection and communication and um, where, the, where the meaning that is in the picture is not just purely created in our own mind, but it is kind of, it's coming through in relationship with another like life force or energy in a sense, yeah. So let me make sure I got it right for, for everyone. So it's the, instead of you self-imposing what you think and creating from your own consciousness, you channel the energy of the tree through ceremony in order for it to express itself using you as a vessel. Yeah, and the, the, the thing is, um, it's done. It's done very, like very um, carefully in that sense. Like the, I don't necessarily see myself as being used as a vessel. It's more like a co-creative act where I, I am, uh, I am a human being, and I have got hands and eyes, and I can make drawings, and I'm kind of sovereign in my own way. And I respect the sovereignty of the um, tree spirit or the the being that I'm calling on, let's say the, the spirit of the oak. So we're meeting in a sense of respect to find out is there something that can be created here with this then uh, a point that I reached after like, many years that I'd already spent establishing that relationship. So, and, and, and that's what, what makes it work in the sense of, um, um, yeah, like co-creative, yeah, with that ceremonial element of Knowing that okay, there's a very clear distinction between now I'm now I'm offering my eyes and hands to the tree, and then when the ceremony is over, then that interaction also then ends in a sense. So um, it's like a very specific way of like containing containing a a creative energy and um, and an intention in a sense. Yeah, I better understand now. So it's the relationship, the meeting, but then the disconnection at the end of it, that's important. Mm -hmm. From that, what does that feel like? It's a flow state in that sense that uh, I can watch myself doing things that I didn't know I could do. And I watch myself like receiving ideas that I haven't come across before. And there's a sense of like leaning back in myself, of like almost like going out of my own way a little bit. But within that flow, there's been moments of like checking in with myself, like, okay, let's just assess the situation. Yeah, it can feel quite ecstatic. It's a little bit tiring as well, because if a strong energy wants to come, wants to come through through the creative process, uh, it almost, it's like um, a lot of water coming through like a narrow tube or something like this. And like, it can build like a, like a pressure of something big wanting to come through 
And I think that's something to learn over time of um, when working with this kind of three energies uh, to be able to have that channel at a, as an enjoyable calibration in a sense so that it's open enough for, for an experience to, to bring you into this flow state. Um, but for it not to be like, too strong or overwhelming, for it to potentially be too strong or too much. Um, but yeah, for four days, as I said, uh, I did hardly anything else. Uh, I forgot to drink, forgot to eat. I was like, just had to remind myself to just take care of my body because, yeah, in this kind of energized um, state, yeah. And what have you taken from that experience? What did you learn from it? Um, first of all, uh, to know that I can, that it works, that was a big eye-opener for me to be like, okay, I can consciously use the tools that I have learned so far and take them to uh, another level. And that then gave me the confidence also then to carry on working with different trees. So I started off with an oak tree, which was actually a commission that I'd been asked to do by two friends who were offering a retreat, an oak tree retreat where they had, uh, I think, 22 participants who were uh, working only with the medicine of the oak tree for three days. So they wanted to have a picture that can be in a space like a sacred art piece that represents like a temple picture in a sense that brings the energy of the tree. And they asked me if I could do it. So that's what initially sparked me off. And then I knew I could do it. And then I started taking that into my own direction of saying, okay, are there any other trees that I would like to work with? And so in total, I created 14 different tree pictures in the last three years. And each one is very different in the terms of the, um, the energy and how it comes through. Two examples, let's say uh, at some point, I just finished working on one banner and I'd completed it. And I went for a walk. And I live close to a nature reserve called Dartmoor here in, in uh, Devon in England. And I walked past this holly tree. And normally I would um, um, like take a bit of time to slowly like approach a tree and sit down and, um, and listen and like state my intention to see if we can work together. But the holly tree literally gave me the whole picture in like a lightning strike moment of just, I had this full-blown vision with my eyes open of just seeing the banner and it just took me by surprise. And then I turned to the holly and I was like, this is the picture you want me to create. And, uh, and the response I got was this energy that just like, just get on with it. Just make it. <laughs> and it just took, it didn't took me just a few days. Uh, and the picture just came out. And when I look at the energy of the holly, it has this kind of direct kind of warrior-like energy. It's um, So the creative process mirrors the energy of the tree. And so the same with the yew tree. The yew tree is the, the oldest trees in England. They can become thousands of years old. And I'd spent already two months, uh, which for me felt like a long time, but for the yew tree, it's obviously a very short uh, blink of an eye. And I, and I got a bit impatient and I was like, okay, I would like to finish this picture. And then every time I was working on the picture for the yew tree, I felt like I wasn't quite getting into flow. So... I then realized that, okay, I'm not going to force this. And after two attempts of it not going anywhere, I just um, 
went to see you three and I spoke this prayer and I said, okay, you three, I understand your message. You are like anchored in eternity and your perception of time is way different. And I want to learn from you. So I'm just going to surrender. And whenever you want to work with me, just let me know. And so I put my paper to the side and uh, it took a few weeks. But then eventually I had this moment and I knew, okay, now is the moment. And I sat down and I created the created banner. Each tree is so uniquely different that that quality is also something that I get to experience during the creative process itself. I was going to say, one of the things that really comes out when you describe the process is the, the different energy and the quality and the personality of the trees that you're approaching and kind of working with and collaborating with. Thinking about that kind of feeling and that energetic nature, when you think about the trees that you've come across, what tree would you describe most aligns with your type of personality? I guess the the fun part about uh, the trees is that they they are like a pantheon of archetypes, or they are like family members in a sense, or they are like um like the the, the, the signs in the zodiac um, or the planetary signatures. So we have like a parent, parental trees, we have more like childlike trees, we've got trees that have got a, a strong edge to them, like uh, they might have thorns, they might be more difficult to approach. So there's all these different characters. And I think the, the best part about it is that we can understand ourselves from all those different angles so um, if we stand next to a little sapling we see ourselves reflected back in the different it's like looking into a mirror in a sense so i see myself reflected back in in this kind of small tree that's just starting out and i can i can relate to that and then i see myself reflected with this big old tree and I see myself reflected, and then I, I can relate to that as well. So it's through the diversity of trees and species and getting to know them and understand them that we also get a more complete picture of our own psyche and being and different characters, uh, characteristics inside of us. And uh, there are some trees that make it very easy for us, that are very... Um, willing to just uh, uh, they're more responsive let's say the beech tree even down to its um, botanical properties that the bark is very thin like the living membrane is literally like three four millimeters away from your hand when you put your hand onto the bark where other trees have got the much much thicker bark they protect themselves more so the beech tree down to its actual like biology is less protected and more available in that sense. So by putting hands on a beech tree, it almost feels like skin. You can, it looks like a big elephant or something like that. It feels like a, like skin. And many children, for example, are drawn to the beech tree because it's so accessible and it protects itself so little. Um, which, and on top of that, it's an, a very um, nurturing tree. It grows beech nuts, 
it nourishes a lot of uh, birds and animals in the forest. So I think starting out connecting with trees, those are the trees that most people, including myself, would have an inclination towards like seeking out first. But then once you know once you know those characters, then it can become very interesting to figure out oh, how about let's say the hawthorn. The hawthorn is a very strong heart medicine and it also has thorns. So it has this sense of protection and boundary around it where it is as if the hawthorn is saying, Okay, I hold this very precious medicine, but you have to approach me in the right way. And uh, even in its energy, it is like uh, having an audience with a queen or something. You can't just like walk in and be like, hey, what have you got to teach me today or something? You have to approach the tree in a certain way where you take really take the time to slow down, pay attention, introduce yourself, slow down even more and start like, listening and, and becoming, coming from this place of the heart. And then when we are accessing our own heart, then that particular tree, which holds the heart medicine, just gives us more insights and understanding into its medicine. But you can't just like grab it and just have it. So there's a process of refinement that goes on over time, but getting to know the different trees and their qualities. Yeah. I guess the, the thing that you're acknowledging is that it then helps to for us as humans to connect with the different aspects of ourselves and the different parts of our energy and our consciousness as well. Yeah. So to start to close us off a little bit, can you talk a little bit more about some of the wisdom that you have gained through um, your connection with trees? Yeah, I'd like to give one example of um, like a very practical um, insight that I gained. So initially when I started creating my artwork and some of my friends and people around me wanted to have copies of those pieces because they felt like they were meaningful to them, I had this conflict in myself because I didn't want to use paper. And I, and I said to myself, I just can't print pictures of trees on dead trees that is something i can't i can't justify and then eventually um i had a moment where i was in nature where i felt the sense of encouragement from the trees saying like come on yannick like from all of the things that people print like pictures that help people connect to, connect them back with nature is more necessary it's it's more needed than just um I don't know, advertising, the stuff that ends in the bin. And so I started researching the eco-printing um, companies and I found an eco-printing company in, uh, in, my, in my local area. And for a while I was like, okay, this is a good first step and I can start making things with that in mind. And then, and then I came across um, this organization called the Tree Sisters, and uh, I heard an interview with a, a founder who is called Claire Dubois, who has the same surname as I do. We're, we're not, we don't know if we're related, but we had the same surname. And I heard her speak about um, the organization that she had created with Tree Sisters, who are doing um, tree planting around the world and also working for women's empowerment. 
And so I realized that I wanted to, to donate for the planting of a tree for everything that I sell and also for every participant who comes to one of my workshops. There's also a tree being planted. And this kind of logic of like a circular system where I received something from the trees and I passed on my inspiration to the people who need this in their lives. And then they, through whatever they buy or participate in, then can give back in some way, give back and close that cycle so that we think in a more of a circular way. And I find that from spending time in nature and seeing how whatever falls to the ground becomes the nourishment for the next generations, those kind of patterns, I try to mimic them as much as I can in the way I live my life with the seasons, in the way I run my small business as a self-employed artist. And um, yeah, just tuning into that sense of generosity uh, and wanting to give and wanting to make it work for everyone, including the trees and uh, our planet. Yeah. The idea of the, the ecosystems and the forest and giving back in the reciprocal nature of it all and how we can live our our life really with the values of it. That feels really mm -hmm. special. And one last nugget of wisdom, if I may. So trees are said to be competing for the light, which is true. But once they've established themselves, they're all about giving to the next generations. So if you look at the tree line, all of the trees kind of roughly stop growing at the same height. There's not like one giant tree that tries to like outcompete all of the other trees, like a kind of modern kind of Amazon kind of business strategy or something where they're like trying to outcompete everyone. It's that there is a healthy element of comp competition to grow up and to get the resources that we need. Like a child will cry when it needs food, uh, just to like a tree will do its best get as much resource and light and soil as it can but it's not like just the survival of the fittest in that sense because once the tree is established it naturally starts to um, produce its fruits its seeds and um, its leaves uh, nourish the soil and um, yeah so that's another thing that i find is very important to learn from really yeah yeah the cooperative nature of being a tree and the acknowledgement that we get our needs met, but then we also give it back to others who need it. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. You're welcome. Yeah, it went by, it went by really quickly. Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Be Like a Tree. Let us know how you felt about today. Subscribe, share, every little bit helps. And we'll see you next time. And remember, stay rooted. Stand tall, breathe, be like a tree. Cause you're free to be you.